Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Helen Tuffer. And I'm Sarah Ellis. And you're listening to the Squiggly Craze podcast, where each week we talk about a different topic to do with work and discuss practical ideas and actions to help you find your way through our increasingly squiggly world of work. And this week, we thought it would be interesting to explore the topic of transitions for two different reasons. Generally, in squiggly careers, it's no surprise that we're all experiencing loads more transitions than ever before. And I think lots of different types of transition as well, whether that's transitioning between different teams internally, perhaps from one department to another, perhaps it's transitioning how you work in terms of perhaps you work a five day week and you'd like to transition to work a four day week. We're transitioning between industries, between different sizes of company. And so I think it's one of those things where we're all going to have to get really good at it. And when we start to dig into some of the research and some of our ideas today, it is also hard so it's kind of one of the things that is hard and important. I feel like I've said that quite a lot over the last week, few weeks in, in various different workshops we've been doing. It's, it's all like, really hard, everybody. We just want to try and help yeah. you. This, this is both hard and important. So <laughs> a, a good topic for us to think about. And I think this year has obviously been unique in lots of ways. And particularly it has thrown at us lots of unexpected transitions whether it's the majority of us who are working from home. I think we're all working differently, even if you're not working from home. And perhaps we're being forced into transitions maybe because our jobs are changing. Even our roles might be at risk of redundancy. Perhaps you've even been made redundant. And I do think, as we're going to talk about transitions today, there's transitions that you're in control of. So transitions that you perhaps are thinking about, are planning for, and there's kind of transitions that are out of our control. And the things that we're going to chat about hopefully will help you with both of those different types of transitions, because again, I think we'll all experience both of them. And so really what we've tried to do is look at everything that's out there in terms of people who make transitions really successfully, what we can learn from some really interesting research from across the world, and come up with three ideas for how you can make transitions more successfully in the future. And before we get started, just a couple of things to let you know. One, I am very excited about our Ask the Expert podcast this week. So it is myself talking to James Clear. And if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you'll probably know that out of the two of us, I'm the one who likes productivity and apps and habits and all, I, I just love all that kind of stuff and, and did James you really Clear, geek out over habits I, I totally geeked out over it <laughs> really enjoyed the conversation I think I probably he was like wow she's really keen uh, so James Clear 
Fisher, who's the author of a book called Atomic Habits. And he's so interesting. He basically just started writing about habits and found an audience and then sort of became expert in it just by writing and researching, which I really like because I think it's really, really authentic. And he's so passionate about it. And even though, you know, his book has sold over a million copies and he's still like experimenting with his own habits. So it's a really interesting conversation and it might help you to build some healthy work habits right now if you think that would be useful for you and it's one of those podcasts where we recorded a couple of weeks ago now but I feel like I've already started to repeat the wisdom so much I'm like oh well James Clear says Uh. (laughs) (laughs) so if you too want to say James Clear says listen to that one that's out on Thursday and the other thing that Sarah and I both found really interesting this week somebody that we know a lovely guy called James Elfa had shared a post on LinkedIn about like the evolution of the commute and why even though we often talk about commutes in quite a negative way you know the idea that we'd be standing on tubes or stuck in traffic that actually the commute did have some benefits to our work day Harvard have looked into some research and we'll share the links to this so that you can have a look into it yourself but the benefit of the commute was that it created a transition or a boundary between sort of the work day and then what came next at home whatever you did there and that was actually quite a healthy thing and without that commute we've lost some of that boundary we've lost that ability to make a distinction between those two types of our day and I put a post about this on Instagram at amazing if and it resonated with so many people we had so many messages from people saying oh I'm trying to do a run in the day or I'm using my walking the dog at the start and the end of the day to try and almost bring back some kind of commute and I've got a new word for it Sarah you ready for it instead of the commute it's the me mute don't you think it, we should introduce a me mute into no, our day because that yes. sounds like it sounds like you're muting yourself as in like oh, I'm not like not like mute mute like silent mute like just instead of the commute the me mute no no oh she's not just, letting me have it everyone. I mean usually I'm, I'm very supportive <laughs> of the uh, kind of the pithy quotable phrases that you come up with but I just think that sounds like we're encouraging people to mute themselves <laughs> silence yourself okay all right it sounds like the me mute's not going to catch on if you disagree with Sarah feel free to uh, email <laughs> Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com and say Helen I'm in for a me mute <laughs> <laughs> but I'd really encourage reading that research not only because of it interesting but also it does talk about different different personality types and different preferences and tendencies perhaps need that kind of virtual commute or those transition moments even more than others and actually there's some quite interesting kind of nuances there and you could read it and think oh does that feel like me and and which one of these kind of styles is more me than others so it's kind of also makes the point of it's not the same for everyone which again I think is interesting as we're starting to redesign how we're all working probably for the foreseeable future Also not having this kind of one size fits all of, oh, we all have to have this new kind of commute in the same way, which is sort of what we did have to have before. You know, we all had to get from wherever we were to that same place. So I think there's something really interesting in how we like personalise this new virtual commute or me mute, if that's what you want to go with. Yes. So let's talk about transitions (laughs) and why transitions are hard. Transitions are a bit different from change. I think it's important to kind of say that. So when when we talk about change, change is the from and the to. And change is hard, but we often have clarity about where we're moving from and kind of where we're going to. And we've perhaps made that change and that kind of change is happening. Transitions are very specifically what I describe as kind of the in-between state. They're sort of the messy middle where you're kind of making the move. You're leaving one thing behind. You're perhaps transitioning into kind of where you're going. But there's still this kind of sense of fluidity Herminia Abara, who does a lot of the research on transitions, and we're going to come back to some of her work, she talks about betwixt and between. 
you don't quite feel like you're either one thing or the other. And that's where I kind of cope with messy middle, which probably sounds quite a lot less academic. But let's say, for example, to really bring this to life, let's say you were moving from working full time to being a freelancer for the first time. It would be that moment of where perhaps you're still employed for two or three days a week and you're still doing some freelance work as well. And perhaps you've got, you know, you want to kind of make that change to full freelance work, but you're not quite there yet or you'll, you know, it's coming, but it's not going to come for three months or kind of six months. Or perhaps you've got a transition you know you'd really like to make, but you don't know how to get there. So you're sort of feeling a bit stuck or you're kind of thinking, well, I know I don't want to be where I am, but I'm not sure how to get to where I'm going. Or perhaps you just know you want to make a change. And Herminio Barra talks about this. Lots of people apparently know they want to transition kind of from where they are to make a change, but they don't know what that is. And so again, this in-between state of, I want to leave something behind, but I don't know where I'm going. And so so many different types of transition. And I think as a bit like we talked about at the start, we'll all experience these in loads of different ways, shapes and forms. So we thought we'd start by sharing a couple of transitions in our careers that we've both made. And then we'll move on to these three actions that we hope are going to be really helpful for you. So I think I've got two big ones. Um, so one, actually, I think is becoming a working parent. So I think that was quite a transition for me because before I had children, I have two children, I felt that I didn't have... I could be really selfish in how I worked. Like you had I loads of freedom. To, yeah, yeah, loads <laughs> of freedom. So and yeah, it was really good. More sleep, more freedom. Yeah, but I love my children, so it's fine. <clears throat> the, but, but I did have, like I could work later and I didn't have, you know, I could be quite selfish about how I worked and all of a sudden you have these beings that have like very firm boundaries on your day. And I found that quite a transition, like adapting to that and thinking about, well, how do I manage my work now? And if my success is not determined by the amount of hours that I do, and I don't think it was, but maybe that was part of what was in my mind. I, did, I couldn't work in the same way anymore, so I had to rethink how I did my work. So that was quite a big transition for me. Mentally and practically, I think we're a couple of elements there, but maybe we can talk about a bit more. And then the other thing for me is career transitions in terms of companies, really. So I've moved from FMCG to financial services, to oil and gas, to energy, to Virgin, which is a bit of everything, to technology, to running our own business. I mean, that is quite a few transitions packed into a squiggly career. And each one of those transitions has been a different company. It's been a different context. It's been a different culture. Being able to be myself in those new places and being able to adapt quite quickly hasn't always been easy and I think sometimes I've done those transitions well and sometimes maybe I've not I look back and think oh I could have done that a bit better but they've been the most significant career transitions I think I've made what about you well the one I was thinking about I think because I'm always proud of of having done it if I think about um I think it's a good question to ask yourself like like we said transitions are hard so where you've made a successful transition reflect on that and think well, why, why was it hard? I think that gives you some useful insights, but also what did I do well? So that's what I kind of tried to do with this one. And it was when I moved from working a five-day week in one job, and this is working at Sainsbury's, and I continued to work a five-day week, but I reconfigured that week. So it was four days at Sainsbury's in one job that I was doing, and it was one day on Amazing If. So I was still working the five days, but in a very different way. And I thought, right, okay, so why why did that feel so hard as a transition? Because, you know, I was in the same company, a company that I really enjoyed being in. I was working for someone who I loved working for, with people who I really enjoyed spending time with. So it was a, I was actually in an environment where I was very safe and secure and felt really happy. And so you might say, well, why did that transition like really kind of stick in your mind? And I think it was hard for me because 
I was really worried what people would think of me. So I think there was a bit of a concern that I had that people might think, oh, she's not as committed or ambitious as she perhaps had been previously. Or that because that other one day I was spending on Amazing If, oh, you know, maybe that's really where her heart lies. And, you know, certainly I was just as committed to my job at Sainsbury's and I loved what I was doing. And actually at that time, we'd got no intention of Amazing If becoming our full-time jobs. It was just I wanted to spend more time on it. But I think I was kind of really very mindful of that. And then added to that, there was no role models for me to learn from. So there were other people working four days a week, but never because, and this is where I'm always the anomaly, never because they wanted to do something different on that one day. They were usually doing something much more, you know, caring. They were caring for their children or caring for other people. And I was saying, oh, I want to go and do this side project, passion project that I'm really interested in. And so I think that made it harder for me as well. And also like harder to explain and to find the words to describe what it was I was doing and why I was doing it because people couldn't look around and there was no kind of shortcut to oh yeah Sarah's doing that thing and then there was just the practical things of that transition of thinking well how do I make sure that four day a week works really well for me and for Sainsbury's so I can do the job that I need to do that my team will feel really supported so there was I think there was lots of different angles where I was like okay that felt like a really hard transition to make and back to that point hard and important but it was very important to me I think it was a really pivotal moment in my career because I think I had the bravery to make it happen despite all of those things there that I described in terms of finding it hard and I think some of the ideas that we're going to talk about today when I've reflected on them I think each of these kind of helped me with that transition and lots of others that we've kind of made as well. So there's three ideas, which I'm just going to summarise quickly. So there are three things to come, so you kind of know what's coming in the conversation. And I am just going to reference a couple of resources at this point, because I think they're so important to today's conversation. So the three things we're going to talk about. One is managing your mindset. Two is working your weak ties. And three is about starting small. And we've really delved into Herminia Ibarra's work. So she's a London Business School professor. And she's been working for, I think, over 20 years now on career, identity, transitions. That's really her area of specialism. And there are two resources that I particularly would recommend. If you are thinking, I'm either planning a transition or I'm struggling with a transition that you can go and look at. If you'd like an at-a-glance resource, she's written a great blog post, which then somebody's done a visual summary of. So it's a really nice at-a-glance. Here are kind of the key points about transition and it's actually particularly transition during a crisis which feels quite relevant right now and transition in disruptive times so that's a very specific and it's yeah it'll take you 10 minutes but I think it gives you a really good sense for the things that important and make a difference or if you want to kind of do a bit more of a deep dive she actually gave a lecture at Oxford that's over an hour long that I've watched probably three quarters of and you can watch that for free so I've included that YouTube link as well as part of the resources for today. So if you want to kind of hear her talk about her own work and also kind of interact a little bit with the kind of people in the room, that's another good place to go. So lots of useful resources for today's episode. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. So, Sarah mentioned the first idea then is all around managing your mindset. And the big thing here is that you should almost expect there to be a period of in-between. So, of between holding on to where you may be coming from and also in terms of letting go and moving on to where you're going to. So if if I go back to the transitions that I mentioned, it's quite easy to go, oh, before I was a parent, I could do all of this great stuff and I I could go to those evening events and I could do all of this stuff. And actually, the more that you hold on to that, the more it can hold you back from kind of really moving successfully and transitioning successfully into the new place. And equally, when I've moved organizations, there's definitely been moments where I've thought, oh, but I really liked the organisation that I was in before and I really liked the way that we did things and the culture of that company is not the same around here. And so I think, first of all, the point around your mindset as you make these transitions is to know that that's quite normal, actually to have this moment of in-between when you're both, you know, I guess you're kind of a foot in each door. That's not because where you're going to isn't going to be successful or it wasn't the right decision. It's just because you're a human being and we tend to do have this like moment of in-between for a little while. But also know that that's quite significant for your brain as well. So like be kind to yourself. Make sure you're giving yourself a bit of headspace. And I think particularly when you are maybe moving into new roles or new organizations that's sort of easier said than done because you're thinking oh I want to be brilliant and I need to know everything and I need to build all these relationships at the same time as you might still be looking back and think oh but I missed the way it was before so just be kind to yourself this is a lot for you to think through um, because you are kind of going through lots of changes in maybe your identity and your knowledge and building your confidence all at the same time so it's probably not the best time to start your PhD I mean by all means, I would never say don't learn. But if piling loads on you at that time, you know, if I was going to go back to work after having a baby and I was going to start, you know, an MBA and a side project and all those things at the same time, that's really heaping on a lot of pressure. And so know that that's very normal to have this moment in between if you're making the transition and make sure that you're making time to look after yourself as well and having maybe a bit of time for reflection, maybe a bit of time just to sort of reset rather than feeling like you have to do everything and be everything all at once. And I think at that time as well, I was reading about how important it is in terms of the emotional support that you have around you because often it is a time when we need a lot of support. And so thinking about have you got the right people around you people who believe in you, who are brilliant listeners, who give you that motivational boost, you know, depending on obviously what type of transition you're making, those kind of people might be different. But the one thing that kept coming up when I was reading about this is it's really important to not rely on only one person, because actually, if we rely on just the same person, a it's actually a lot, a lot to ask from that person. It sort of doesn't really work for anyone because we feel guilty that we're 
perhaps we're offloading or we feel like we've got to talk to that kind of same person each time and that feels like the, perhaps the only conversation that that you have and you feel like oh, I don't want to have that conversation anymore but you need to have it with someone and I think particularly if you're trying to kind of make a transition and it's feeling really hard just figure out who do you think could kind of help you in those moments and make sure I think you've got more than one person and also those people who just are going to play the right roles for you during your transition that's not necessarily the same career development network that you might have the rest of the time you might want to think really carefully just about kind of who you're spending your time with at those moments So let's move on to idea two. And this is about this idea of working your weak ties. So weak ties are relationships you have with people who you don't know as well. So they're on the periphery of your network, hence the kind of weak ties. And all of kind of the research that Herminia Ibarra has done shows that weak ties are particularly useful when we're trying to learn new things, get new insights, make new transitions into areas that we've not been in before. And there's a really interesting catch-22, I think, with weak ties, because when we are trying to do something hard and important, often we rely on our strong ties, because of course we do. They're the best relationships we've got. They're the people who we feel comfortable asking for help. They're probably the people most likely to help us. I think there's an uncomfortableness and a difficulty that's associated with working your weak ties. I think this is pretty hard to do. So I was trying to think, okay... How can you practically and realistically kind of think about those weak ties and who can help you? I think one idea is about reconnecting with previous colleagues or connections that people you've been in touch with previously, it's perhaps felt less relevant, but now you sort of think, well, actually, I wouldn't mind getting back in touch with that person. And actually, every time that's happened to me, so someone's got back in touch with me and said, oh, Sarah, you might remember me or you might not, but we work together 10 years ago or five years ago, I always quite enjoy that moment of reconnection. So I think that's a natural thing to do. And I think people don't mind you doing that at all. So that's, a, I think, probably one of the easiest places to start. I was thinking, if that doesn't feel useful, so sometimes your previous colleagues and connections might not feel helpful for the transitions that you're trying to make, perhaps think about, could you start building connections with weak ties through one-to-many networking rather than one-to-one? So if you're thinking, I don't necessarily know the individuals that I need to build those relationships with or perhaps are on the periphery, I don't know them well enough. Could you think about, okay, well, what events are people doing virtually at the moment in that area that I'm interested in transitioning to? What networks exist that I could become part of? What could I maybe volunteer for that would help me to kind of build some of those weak ties and kind of maybe even create them if you feel like you're kind of missing them at the moment? And then my last idea, I was thinking, if all else fails, if you can't connect with previous colleagues, if you're thinking, okay, but I don't really know what networks or how to volunteer, or perhaps that just feels too hard. I think, well, the other thing you could do is get good at asking for introductions. So I think you could start with your strong ties. So those people you feel really comfortable talking to. And if you can share with those people the things that you're interested in exploring in terms of transitions, if that feels like an okay thing to do, then those people, you can actually sort of explicitly say, is there anyone you think I could go and talk to? I'm trying to get a bit more of an insight into that world or how I could make that transition. And if I think in hindsight about that transition I made from a five-day week to a four-day week in one company, one day working for myself, I wasn't the only person in the world at that moment doing multiple jobs within one week, kind of combining working in a few different ways. But I perhaps was the only person 
in the company that I was in. I think what I could have done that would have helped me would have just gone and asked a few people for introductions to other people who perhaps had a few different kind of side projects or perhaps working a kind of split week in different ways. Because at that moment, actually, freelancers were doing that and had been doing that for a long time and were very au fait with how to make that work. And I probably could have got some really good insights by going to spend time with some kind of different people outside of my day-to-day network. And it probably would have given me confidence that other people make this work and actually probably in a much more complicated and fluid way than what I'm about to do. And I think that would have actually been really useful for me. And so I think asking for basically for help, but particularly for introductions for people that you could go and talk to, to kind of help you make those transitions, I think is really useful. And I don't think you have to wait until you want to make a transition until you work your weak ties. Going back to that James Clear and the habits thing, I think that this is something, sorry, I will stop going on about James Clear, but I think that this is actually a really healthy career habit. So to make sure that you're not just spending time mm-hmm. with the people that are really connected to the job that you do today and the work that you do today, and to get curious about your career and work your weak ties and just think, okay, so what are some things I'm curious about in terms of the possibilities in the future? Like Sarah and I might say, oh, working as a non-exec director for a different company than we might do that for at the moment, or maybe some lecturing or lots of things that Sarah and I are curious about. But waiting until we sort of decide we want to make a transition means that you might limit the amount of time you could spend exploring with people and working those weak ties and limiting yourself to who's available at that time as well. So I think Just get curious about your career, work your week time, spend time with people who might not be so connected to your day to day because you never you just never know what will happen from those conversations. And I think when you make them too outcome orientated, which is I want to find out more specifically about this company that I'm interested in working in. I sometimes think it limits the value of them, the unexpected benefit that you get from the working of the week ties. And so our third idea to support you with transitions is all about starting small. And the point here is that sometimes we can look at people that have made transitions. So they, I don't know, moved from a company or become, you know, a working parent or started their own business. And it all seems very sudden, like, oh, wow, they just decided they wanted to do that. Or quite neat, maybe. I think sometimes people are like, oh, it's just all happened and it's happened all seamlessly and successfully. Some people may find it easier than others, but most for most people, it was rarely seamless, easy and instant it is very likely that they started small they had some kind of prototype they had multiple conversations there are failures that you might not have seen and this idea of what's the smallest thing that I can do to start that could bring you closer to the thing that you want to do the reality of doing it and that might be you know maybe it's volunteering maybe it's starting a side project like Sarah and I did that gave us the opportunity to work out do we actually really like this as much as we like reading about it is you know is doing different to reading about it do we like working with each other as much as we do like talking to each other as friends like actually just thinking about the small actions that can bring you closer to this thing that is appealing to you is a really really good way to get started and all those small actions as well They create momentum, they build confidence. Over time, they make the transition a bit less scary as well. I think sometimes it can seem really scary. And this is the thing that can set you onto that thing becoming more of a reality for you. Do you know the other thing I think it helps you to do is I think when you start to experiment and do those prototypes, which I think is is a brilliant word to use, you start to figure out what you do and what you don't want from those Mm. transitions. I was thinking back to 
pre-Amazing If days where I definitely started a couple of passion projects or side projects that are not a million miles away from Amazing If. They were all about learning, kind of leadership, career development. And I did those by myself. And there were very small things that I was just interested in. Uh, you know, I did some workshops, I did a blog, and that was very much kind of a solo endeavour. And then we started to do some things at the same time. So, you know, I was doing some of my own stuff and then we started to do things together and we, we were kind of trying different things out. And I think what that really helped me with, that kind of prototyping, was I was then very clear that if I was going to transition to running my own business, that was only ever something that I was going to do if we did it together. So it wasn't I didn't enjoy doing things by myself. Of course I did. I had all the control. It was brilliant. Um, <laughs> but it was there's a big difference between... I personally think there's a big difference between running a business by yourself, which I think really suits some people and that's the right model for some people. And I think running a business with someone as a co-founder where you're creating something together, I'm so glad that I experimented with a few different ways of doing the content that I was really passionate about because I think if we hadn't, I probably would have done something slightly different or I would have transitioned in a different way. So I think that's all the, talked about it before, but you know all the behind the scenes stuff that you just don't see. You know, you just see the transition that someone's gone from working in big brands like we both did to, oh, suddenly they're working in a small startup, working for themselves, doing all of these workshops. But actually, when you see behind the scenes, I think there's always these incremental actions. And when Herminia Obaru has done this research all across the world, she's looked at loads of people who've made transitions successfully. And this is the thing that she keeps coming back to. She actually talks about the importance of action. She's not sort of anti-reflection, but she sort of talks about like act first, reflect second. And that sometimes when we are in, when we're thinking about transitions, because they are messy and overwhelming and hard, we can actually spend too much time thinking. We can overthink things. And actually probably the best thing that you can do is to start taking lots and lots of small actions, learning from those. And that creates the momentum that you just described, Helen. And I think if you're like me and you are a overthinker, you like to think and you like to be reflective, I think that can make transitions tricky because you can sort of get stuck in your own spirals in mm. your mind. And I actually think, when I was, when I was really thinking about this, and obviously <laughs> because surprise. I was overthinking it, surprise, She's thinking about overthinking. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was thinking about overthinking. Great. Some sort of like meta thing in there, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I was thinking this is probably why you kind of made the leap into Amazing If before me. And I think it's probably why it took me a bit longer because for me, I was really, I mean, I thought about it so hard and from every angle and was it the right thing to do? Whereas I think you're a more natural act first, think second, and I'm a think first, act second. And so actually for you, you were just like, I'm just going to try it. It'll kind of be okay. And we knew that, you know, you'd got the basics in place and that was kind of enough. And so I think just if you're naturally a doer, brilliant. This is one of those times where doing lots of small steps is a is a real advantage. If you are like me and you're more of a thinker, just start taking even like really small actions, like write down four actions that you're going to take in the next four weeks. Do that kind of thing. Try and really hold yourself to account to not just thinking about those transitions, but kind of doing something about them, I think. So I really hope you found those three actions and kind of us sharing our reflections useful, particularly if you are 
planning a transition, perhaps a transition is kind of happening to you and you're in the midst of it, we'd love to hear from you. You can always find us on Instagram. We're just at Amazing If. Share your stories. If any of those things today resonated, if you've got extra ideas, uh, we always love to hear from them. Just like everyone else, we're always learning. And I have, as ever, I like to set ourselves ambitious targets. I'd love us to get to 500 podcast reviews before the end of 2020. It's another arbitrary target that I set us to... I don't know, keep myself motivated day to day. Uh, we're on 404. So if you do have five minutes yeah, to do... 404 has got a nice ring, but you're like, yeah, 500 sounds nicer, Helen. Yeah, and feels it does. Nicer. Okay. Um, and also we need some wins this year. So that's me basically saying, if you have two minutes and you've enjoyed, you enjoy the podcast, you've been thinking, oh, perhaps you don't usually rate, review and subscribe. Perhaps you can make an exception for us and, and I would be very grateful. Let's see if we can get those extra... How many do we need now then? 90... 96, Sarah. It's yes. 96. <laughs> Maths is not my strong point, everybody. That took me a second, but I got there. I got there. That's the important thing. And next week, we're going to be talking about dealing with difficult people. So a knotty topic, and I think one that everyone has to contemplate or gets frustrated about or considers at some point in their careers, because we all have to deal with people who are different to us, and we'll perhaps discuss the difference between different and difficult. That's true. And That's what... a good. We should definitely discuss that. Yeah. You know, how you can build relationships, working relationships with those people so that it kind of works and it doesn't get in your way. So I think hopefully that'll be a really useful topic for you. And we will make a note that at some point we should do Beginner's Mindset because I do think that'll be a good twin episode for today. But in the meantime, thank you all so much for listening. We always do really appreciate it. Please get in touch and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.